This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome. You are on the grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on. Thanks for joining us this week as we look at a preview of what's coming up at the supercar event at Sandown. Richard Crowell to join me to look at that also this weekend, the start of the Supercross season. We'll have a chat to Steve Munro and we'll wrap up what happened on the weekend, MotoGP wise and Australian Superbikes as well with Mark Brax. All that to come here on the grid. Let's kick it off. <laughs> Catch up with uh, Krause to talk about everything that's happening this weekend at Sandown. G'day there, Krause. Shabaks, how are you? Mate, I'm fantastic and always enjoy this weekend, the Sandown 500 or the Rabble.com Sandown 500 as it's known this weekend, uh, based on the retro round. And we get to see all these new liveries that come out from uh, the teams and the like, and it's just a fun round. Yeah, it is. And if you were cynical, you could say that it's just an opportunity to sell some more T-shirts and some more hats and some more model cars for the teams and for supercars. But they, everyone embraces it so well, which is what I, I love about it. And, you know, in the past, we've had the broadcasters rock up with their old red Channel 7 blazer and, you know, the drivers get into the spirit, David Reynolds especially, uh, some more than others. Yes. Um, you know, the, the teams have done a great job. Shelby Power Racing has kicked it out of the park with their Sierra livery, which is really simple. It's just a red car. But, but it looks good. That's what, yeah, that's what made those Sierra so good. Um, love what Erebus have done with the tribute to the Chickadee Commodore from the 86 Bathurst win. Um, so, you know, there's there's so much history in the sport, and it's nice that it's being leveraged properly, and it creates a real interesting vibe and a, a fun vibe to kick off what's a pretty intense period of motor racing because – from Sandown in three weeks we're at Bathurst and then another two weeks it's Gold Coast and it's bang, bang, bang. They're massive events that really shape how this championship will play out. So it's nice to start off with a bit of a bit of a laugh and a giggle and people wearing outrageous hats and things like that, which is always much fun. And you're right, and then it gets straight down to business uh, once those cars hit the track on Saturday mm. and Sunday. And what an important Sunday it's going to be. 500 kilometres of the Sandown track. Shane Van Gisbergen, 2778. Scott McLaughlin, 2759 in the championship. So 19 points separating those two. And with a massive amount of points up over the next three rounds, being Sandown, Bathurst and the Gold Coast, the team with the best combination generally gets to take advantage. Yeah, and and it's such an interesting storyline in the way this championship's really swung. And um, you you felt that momentum shift at Sydney slightly, even though McLaughlin dominated qualifying and led a lot of the race. He got overhauled at the end in that terrific scrap and the Red Bulls came charging through and then was was firmly beaten last time out at the bend uh, and really just didn't look that competitive and, and wrestled the car into some point-scoring finishes, but I think Fabian Coulthard's finishing position at, at the bend really showed where Shell V-Power Racing were at that weekend. So it, it's interesting, and the momentum's just shifted so rapidly back towards Triple um, Eight that it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. But there's so many variables this weekend, Shebex, in how it plays out. Alex Pramat hasn't been in a supercar for 12 months. He tested on the yep. weekend. Uh, El Bamba's never raced a supercar. Um, but is one of the more talented young kids around and has already won the Le Mans 24-hour a couple of times. So, you know, he's a, a champion driver in his own right. He's a world champion in, in World Endurance Championship racing. So 
highly credentialed, but supercars are a unique beast and he's never raced them. So there's just a massive question mark over all of those combinations. And I, as good a job as I think Tramat and Bamber will do, do you just get the feeling that the old wing cup PD thing, which is just rolling on year after year, just gets a bit stronger and stronger every season and their experience is going to serve them really, really well? Uh, no doubt. I mean, Paul Dumbrell just comes in with a wealth of experience for Jamie Winkup. It's a, that's, that's an amazing combination. It has been for a long time, will remain to be for a very, very long time. But I'll tell you what, the one guy that's endured himself to us, I reckon, over the last couple of years as a co-driver, and you mentioned him just a second ago, is Alex Prime. And the fact that mm. I don't believe that we saw the best out of him when he was at Gary Rogers Motorsport, went away from the sport, came back as a as a uh, an enduro driver, and mm. that first year he came back after his full-time drive, we were all gone, where the hell has this come from? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, look, I mean, he's a very capable driver, and it's, it's probably easier to step in as a co-driver and make waves by doing a really solid job than it is when you're a full-timer and, you know, you... As a co-driver, you don't have to qualify the car. So, you know, he's got the best qualifier in supercars currently and possibly the best qualifier of all time um, alongside him. So that that area in supercars where the rookie drivers really struggle is that one lap speed. And we've seen that with Simona Di Silvestro. Race pace is one thing. Qualifying is completely another in, in that category. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's done a good job. I, I'm not talking down their chances. I just... You know, the, the lack of seat time always concerns me, whereas PD still races Super 2. He's still sharp. Yep. He's got a, a stake in the team. He's heavily invested. Like, in every area, he's invested, not just as a driver. So that's why I think they're so strong. I, it's a strange enduro field this year, Shebex. And I, I don't think it's as strong in terms of the number of combinations that can win it as, than it has been in the past. I think there's just... Looking down the list, there's a few combos that you're just going, mm, well, there's only, that's as good as it was last year. There's only 11 of the 26 combinations that have actually carried over yeah. from last year, and they are Winkup, Dumbrell, Pie and Luff, Winterbottom, Cando, Percat, Jones, Reynolds and Yulden, Coulthard, yep. Delberto, Slade Walsh, McLaughlin, Prime, Caruso and Fiore, Courtney and Perkins, Lowndes and Richards. So, yeah. If you're looking for a combination that's settled, you've got 11 there. Out of that, I reckon you can still cut that down to about four or five that are probably genuine contenders. Yeah, and and some of them are contenders based on what team you get on the day. So if we get the Walkinshaw and Jetty United we saw earlier in the season at the Grand Prix, for example, then I I would have thought James Courtney and Jack Perkins are going to be be contenders and, and Scotty Pye... And Warren Luff as well, perhaps. Like, I mean, you just don't know what team you're going to get. Um, and, and the same can be said up and down, up and down that list. You know, Lowndes, Lowndes and Richo, you'd feel like are going to be pretty good. And, and Richo's been on record in the last couple of weeks saying that he's had more time in a supercar this year by his um, coaching role with Brenton Grove in the Super 2 series yep. than he's had in the last couple of years. So he's going to be sharper. And CL, we know, is still a, a fighter and... Um, can still run at the front of the field, so that's not a drama. Oh, look, um, can I just uh, on on regard on Steve Richards, and I love mm. the guy as a driver for sure. Mm. Uh, is he just a little bit past it now? No, I don't. I don't think no? he is. No, okay. no. I, I think I think he's still great, and I think um, I think he's just this incredibly valuable safe pair of hands to hand a car over to. And you know that with Richo behind the wheel. 
99% of the time. The He's going to bring it home back. safe, yeah. And, and, but, but keep in mind, like he, he was lumped in with that malaise that Craig had last year where they just couldn't get one lap pace out of the car, so they qualified poorly at Sandown. They qualified worse at Bathurst, um, and that really affected their enduro campaign, and then, then Bathurst was over pretty much before it started for those guys. They never had a, a chance to do anything during the race to, to work their way forward. But now that the Autobahn car's properly quick and we've seen Craig qualifying really well, um, I think they'll they'll strike this stuff. No, I think Richo's still still very much in the game. The what other about... combo I, I really like, yep. Chibex, is um, Chaz Mostert and James Moffat. Yeah, nice. I, I reckon that's outside of the gun contenders we've talked about. I reckon that's the best all-round combination in terms of raw speed and miles and experience in, in those cars. Can I tell you why I like that combination? Because James Moffat is finally enjoying life. As a racer, yes. as a race yep. car driver, he yep. he's doing so well in the uh, Porsche World Security Carrera Cup series, and yep. he now all of a sudden he finds himself back in a supercar where he can just relax, sit back, yeah. and just have three enjoyable drives. Yeah, I agree with you, hundred percent. And it's it's nice when when drivers just get that relaxed approach, and you and you see it when you know we we're lucky because we get to deal with them on a daily basis and talk to them and. Outside of yep. the, you know, being a, a camera jammed in front of their face. So we probably get a different aspect than a lot of people would, and we're very fortunate to have that. Um, but the same can be said for Dale Wood. And actually, I, I was looking at this list before I spoke to you, Chebexon. You know, if, if I was a betting man, and I'm not, our colleague Crusher might consider putting some cash on those. Yeah. You just throw a sneaky buck or two. I'm not saying they're going to win it. They might not get on the podium, but if there's a top five market at Bathurst especially, Tim Blanchard and Dale Woods, I reckon it'd be worth a sneaky 10 or 15 bucks because Tim Blanchard's been driving better this year than he ever has, I reckon, in supercars. Yeah. Um, and, and BJR's going really well. BJR's famous for nailing a race strategy. So we know they get the, the long distance aspect right. And Dale Wood, you and I have seen him in Career Cup. Fantastic. In, in a, the same as Moffat has has gone back to enjoying his motor racing and just he's, he's bloody quick. Yeah. So, you know, bear in mind that he was fourth with Erebus at Bathurst a couple of years ago. So, like, they, they're serious. I, I don't know. I, am I am I crazy? No, no, I don't think you're crazy. No, not at all. No, I think mm. I think it definitely has value. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they're not going to win it. It'll be very unlikely for them to win it. The crazier things have probably happened at that joint. And I'm, I'm thinking more Bathurst than Sandown, but I don't know. Just from an Enduro Cup point of view, I reckon they could spring a surprise result or two in, in one or two races. I'm going to give you, since you brought up the betting, well, well, let's have a look at the market and see how the punters are already seeing it a week before yep. Sandown comes out. And TAB has Wing Cup and Dumbrell as the favourites at three fifty. Van Natural. Gisbergen and Bamber at $4.00. Surprised about okay. that because I would have thought Bamba just brings yeah well yeah. Uh, McLaughlin and Primo at five fifty Lowndes and Richards at eight Reynolds yep. and Yulden at twelve Moston Moffat at thirteen dollars. See Reynolds and Yulden at twelve bucks. That's, that's good value. Bathurst that's winners. Very. That's very good value. They won Bathurst last year. Yeah. Surely they'd be they'd be sure, especially given the improvement in Erebus's form this year. Like they're now generally contenders week in week out. And actually, I thought. How they engineered themselves into a podium at the bend was particularly impressive because no one saw that coming on Saturday. 
Um, that's that's interesting. That's wow. I might go and get a betting account. <laughs> Blanchard and Wood at two hundred and fifty-one dollars to win the thing. So is there a place market? No, I'm just no. There's not. A, there's not at the moment. There may be coming later, but uh, at well, the moment if, it's just. If, the if win. there is, it'd be worth looking at because I reckon they'd be one hundred and fifty bucks to place, and that would be worth it. Yeah, <laughs> it might be worth a uh, a sneaky bet. Who because, are the two? Um, who are the two outsiders? According to the punters, who are they? Golding and Musket at seven hundred and fifty-one dollars, yeah. and Hazelwood yeah. and Forward. The Woods, yeah, the, the Woods seven fifty-one as well. Seven hundred and fifty yeah. bucks to one. Well, worth. Yeah, that's well. I mean, I can understand that. I was going to say it's worth five dollars. I was going to say it's worth five dollars, but no, it's probably not. What about uh, and and JRM's had a challenging year. Yep. I think it's safe to say. Oh, without a doubt. What, what about Tander and, and Chris Pither? I, I, $26? Yeah, see, Chris Pither, I, I reckon, is an underrated talent. Um, and he's a very, very capable pair of hands. And what I like about Chris is he's pretty level-headed. And um, I, I reckon he's a great enduro driver. You know that you, you give him the car and he'll do a really solid job and bring it back and hand it over to the legend, Gal Tander, at the final pit stop. And then... If if they resume in seventh or eighth position with Garth Tander and they're on the lead lap behind the wheel, then with GT fired up, um, you never know where they're going to end up. They could be on the podium because Garth is still one of the great racers, racers in the category in terms of hauling a not that great car up the order where beyond where it should be. That's so a good point. Throw them into the into the mix as well. I would have thought. And we do this every year when we talk about Sandown, Richard. We come up with about 13 different combinations that we believe yeah. can win. Yeah, and I, this, this is coming after I, 10 minutes ago, said I don't think it's as strong a grid as it was last year, <laughs> which I maintain. I, I don't think it is. But, um, yeah, as always, there are broader contenders than what initially meets the eye. Sandown, not so much. Sandown is a race where generally the best teams and drivers get up, and it lacks that final unpredictable nature that the Bathurst the Bathurst 25 laps at the end always throws at us every single year. Mm. So, um, so Sandown's, yeah, it, it, it's much more likely to go the way of a Triple Eight or a, a Shell V Power, and the, the chance of an upset um, is not quite so high. But barring, of course, whatever goes on with your crazy Melbourne weather, because uh, oh, that's true. You know, if it, if it rains with 20 laps to go, then it's anyone's anyone's guess. What about just a final one before I get your absolute tip on this one? The young mm. combination of Di Pasquale and Will Brown. Yeah, I don't know. A- Anton's been, I think, pretty decent as a rookie this season. Um, yeah, Will Brown. I, I like Will, and I rate Will, and he was terrific in open wheelers. Um, hasn't set the world on fire in Super 2, has he? No, he hasn't. You're right. But um, but good driver. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, a, they're probably in the same camp for me as the Blanchard-Wood thing I mentioned, them, but at the different end of the spectrum because they're both mm. rookies and both kids, not two vastly experienced guys like Tim and, um, and Dale Wood are. But, yeah, look, I mean, they're, they're the kind of combo that if they just stay out of trouble and... Erebus do some smart stuff with, with race strategy like they did at Bathurst then. Could get a place. Yeah, possibly. Uh, yeah. Friday, 20 and partly cloudy. Saturday, possible shower at 19. Sunday, yeah. possible shower and 17. 
Mm. Rainfall possible zero to one mil, so it's hardly any rain at all, if anything. Mm. And a yeah. light wind becoming mm. northerly, 20 to 30k, so it should be a fairly nice day, Sunday. Yeah, well, hopefully, and with the, the footy finals uh, out of the way by Sunday, hopefully yes. that means there's a good good crowd rocking up on Sunday. I'd love to see that grandstand full and uh, the Red Hill on the back of the circuit full as well. With the Rob Rothman's rise, it's, um, it's one of the great... Uh, supercar start at Sandown is one of the great motorsport things in Australia, I yeah, think. it is. Because um, it, it just reverberates off that grandstand. It's a terrific experience. So, Who wins it? Uh, it I, I feel like it's going to be a triple eight car. I really do. Um, I just, just want to point out that we have completely neglected to talk about Fabian Coulthard and Tony Galberto. Um, and they, they will be right in the mix. And I think TD's driving as well as he ever has. And, Seen him in production cars this year. Yes, and nice fantastic. Um, but I, I think the triple date juggernaut will come on. But what, what I will what I will say is, for the sake of us having a really compelling championship battle again with three cars instead of the two we've got now, I reckon it's a win cup win. Um, and he starts hauling in some of that 450-odd point margin he's got to the two litres. That's, well, that's what I think. If we just go back to the odds again, uh, Shane Van Gisberg at $1.70 for the championship, Scott McLaughlin yep. $2.10, Jamie yep. Winkup $12. $12. So they're basically no, see, saying it's, two, it's a race of two. The market's got no idea. They're basically because... saying a race of two. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, Let me I just check that to make sure that I'm right on that one. Before, As I, long uh, as Jamie Winkup's within three, well, two. Oh, no, hang on. Oh, sorry. Did I say 12? $21 for Jamie Winkup. Tw- 21 to win the championship? Yep. No, so I don't got- want to encourage people to gamble, ladies and gentlemen. And if you do, do it responsibly. But go and throw some money at that because, like, this, this is the greatest of all time. And if you're... As long as Jamie Winkup is within 299 points going into Newcastle, he is a contender. <laughs> He's wow. only 450-odd off yeah. the lead. Well, he is too, you're right. Uh, yeah, Van Gisbergen at $1.70, McLaughlin two ten, Winkup $21, and then they're throwing $100 on Reynolds and Lowndes as the only other two that can actually win yeah, it. But no one else is going to win no. it outside of those three, three, but I yeah. cannot believe. And they're basically ruling Winkup out. But there's 900 points up for grabs in the next eight weeks. That's worth that, that's worth a hundred dollars on Wink Up. Well, twenty one bucks like, to win two thousand. That's worth it. Like like we said, gamble responsibly, exactly. ladies and gentlemen. Only um, what you can afford. We, yeah, but um, that's I'm shocked at that. Chebex, absolutely stunned. I just uh, people should know by now that you never ever ever rule out Jamie Wink Up. No, correct. Because you're a madman or woman if you do. Well, especially if oh. Van Gisbergen and McLaughlin are going to be fighting for it up the front. You know oh, that exactly. Winkup's just going to be right at the back of them. And oh, if those correct. two do something stupid, which could happen... Well, we all thought McLaughlin was sailing home last year until his engine broke at Bathurst. Correct. And he lost his French co-driver at the top of the mountain for a couple of hours. So, oh, that's a surprising one for me. But there you go. The enduro season never ceases to uh, provide us with... Uh, Surprises, and it hasn't even started yet. No, exactly right. Uh, the Pertec endurance season kicking off this Sunday at Sandown. Crazy, you'll be there. We'll hear your voice uh, calling the Touring Car Masters. Always look forward to that, mate, and uh, we'll catch up uh, hopefully on Monday to do a review. Yeah, it's going to be good. Look forward to it. Good on you, buddy. Talk then. See you, mate. Richard Quayle joining us here on The Grid. 
This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, covering off uh, the world of two wheels for us is Mark Brax, as always, a bit of ASBK at Winton and MotoGP as well. Good day, Braxy. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, buddy. First of all, let's uh, f- uh, talk about what happened at Winton on the weekend with the Australian Superbikes and uh, Troy Herfoss has sealed the Superbike Championship with a, uh, a ground despair, effectively. Yeah, uh, he did it in uh, fine style, but it was a bit hard for him in the second race, and also Crew Halliday in the Supersport. So he uh, wrapped that up with a round of spare, too. With, uh, and there was plenty of drama before he took the uh, title as well. But Hurt uh, Foster's second championship in three years. He won in 2016. And on this new-look team, the Kenrod Honda team that... Uh, uh, next race at Dion Coot, who owns uh, Elite Roads. It's a road-making and repair company. Uh, he got behind it, and a one-bike team, basically, one-man team, and uh, took it to the top. And he, Troy's been the dominant one all year. He's uh, won four, five of the six rounds outright, and his consistency with the race wins and everything has been uh, pretty dynamic. So... Uh, well deserved for him. He, he ended up uh, 298 and a half points. He's got over Wayne Maxwell now, 237. So too much to bring it back, but he reckons it was the hardest four and a half points he's ever had to earn. <laughs> Didn't have it all his own way either, did he? Josh Waters had a fantastic start to race one, but uh, Herfoss passed him uh, deep into the race. Yep, that was another one. Yeah, um, Waters is back on form now. That they're fixing the Gremlins in the Suzuki. And he's been getting better since the fight last round as well at, at Morgan Park. And uh, now that he's uh, got this solution from the... Uh, he, he got it when he went to Suzuka to race over there and um, got the um, basically the fix-up kit for the ECU that they were in trouble with. And since then, Josh is back to the form that we know he's won three world championships, uh, three Aussie championships in part of me. Um, but just too little too late this year, but... Um, Herfoss, mate, in dominant form. Wayne Maxwell tried, but then he crashed out of the first race. So, I was going to say a bit of a debacle that first race, sort of in regards to uh, being red flagged when Adam Senior's Yamaha caught on fire and there was a, a, a restart due to a crash uh, with Brian Starring on his Kawasaki on lap one. Had everything, didn't yep. it? It sure did, and then, yeah, the uh, and Josh Waters crashed out soon after that happened. I was looking through the seeing eyeglasses, looking at Adam's bike, and next thing I just see this bike disappear off the uh, at turn number. What's that? Turn number um, nine. Yeah. Um, turn number eight. Turn number eight, and um, disappearing. It was um, Josh, and luckily they took it back a lap, and um, he crashed after the red flag had come out, so he was allowed to get uh, start again. So. He got a second in that first race behind her, Foss by 0.3 of a second. And Bayless was only another 0.6 of a second away in third. And he got two, um, doubled up with two third placings on the weekend, Bayless. So he's in a clear third in the championship with a uh, chance of taking second. When um, the race started, both Bayless and uh, Maxwell were on equal points in second position. But Maxwell uh, ran away with the second race uh, to win by a few seconds from um, Josh again. And... Uh, the um, Herfoss himself, when he came back from the warm-up lap, um, the quick shifter and the traction control sensors weren't working. So he basically did the race without any of that, which made it even more difficult for him. 
Oh. I only had a couple, a couple of new misses to, um, before he, he secured it, but no, well deserved. So he can go to Phillip Island at the last round in three weeks' time and just go and have some fun. Yep, the last round a couple of weeks' time, and uh, then of course they race again on the MotoGP calendar, but non championship races there. Uh, but it'll be great to see the boys uh, getting a couple of runs around that fantastic Phillip Island track. Uh, yeah, let's they turn... put on a good show there, that's for sure. Well, they certainly do, there's no doubt about that, Braxy. And your home track, of course. Yes, just in the backyard. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, let's turn our attention to Bazzano on the weekend. Before we get into MotoGP and what was an interesting race, I want to focus on Moto2 first up. And she was one of the most weirdest things I've ever seen. It reminded me, not sure whether you remember, Braxy, you should, you're older than me, the old uh, Willie <laughs> Shoemaker, I reckon, was the jockey when he grabbed the other jockey's leg oh, yeah, in a race yeah, at Flemington. Yeah. This was a similar sort of thing where we had uh, Romano Fanati grab uh, Stefano Manzi's brake lever and nearly tried... Just jammed it on, and he actually... Well, he locks the front up momentarily when he does it, too. You can see in the, the vision of it that the front touch a bit and it tips to the left a bit before he regains it because he's on full noise. So let's but go yeah, back to why it happened. Let's go back to why it happened, though, Brax. It was a bit of a runoff that they had... Uh, on turn yeah, six and, and or turn eight, I think, and and then all of a sudden it was just payback. Yeah, exactly. Like it was a bit of a racing incident. Get over it and get a racing. He's come up and just jammed his throttle on while he's on full noise on the back straight. So Very he's strange. been hit with a two be, uh, two race ban. He was disqualified from that race, but. Yeah. Um, uh, many have said, you know, and it's, uh, it should have been a lot more severe, like even being for the rest of the year. Um, and even longer, some people are saying, because that's really um, endangering not only the rider's life that you're attacking, but also your own, because anything could happen in that um, in that short space of time. And we can it understand... A bit of a crane fade, and look like, you know, the consequences could have been um, frightening. No, exactly right. And we can understand why Fanati was upset about it, because Manzi himself actually will serve a six-position grid penalty at the next race at Aragon due to the fact that he was uh, perceived to have committed an act of irresponsible riding. So, all right, he was a bit annoyed about what happened, but to try and put a bloke's life in danger, that's just that's yeah. silly. They're uh, honoured enough as it is without having that happen to them. Yeah, just that complete idiocy of doing something like that. Yeah, very, very weird. Uh, gee, there was a big crash too in Moto Three as well, wasn't there? Uh, unfortunately, I haven't seen it. Oh, didn't you? You on your way back? Oh, Braxy, yeah, if you get a chance here, bike. there was a big seven bike crash that uh, just looked ugly, and I, I believe all riders are okay, which is uh, which is really fortunate. But gee, it didn't look uh, too good at the time no. either. But we'll turn our attention to MotoGP then, buddy. And uh, Divisioso wins uh, while Jorge Lorenzo crashes out. Yes, it was a dramatic race when many thought that Lorenzo would walk away with the race. Um, he went for a medium tyre instead of his usual soft tyre. And uh, he was having a lot of trouble getting that to work. And he was um, over-braking and uh, nearly running off track a few times in his quest. He was in the league for a while. He got the usual hole shot as he's uh, renowned to do. Uh, from his teammate Davicioso, but then Davicioso and about the lap four got in front, and then it was uh, see you later. And uh, Marquez coming through as well to, um, well, he, he was battling for a while. He got a bit of a mediocre start and battled through, um, and was dicing with Lorenzo and uh, in the 
chase. They were actually shutting down the lead of um, Dubisio. So. Yeah. Um, and that, I think, well, I had a big bearing on Lorenzo thinking he'd get him and just pushed too hard into turn eight and lost the front. And that was it for the poor bugger. Yeah, it was, so, a, it was a sad one for Jack Miller, wasn't it? Yeah, a couple of laps in, he crashes out again. He managed to get going, but he didn't get any points to finish in, uh, in 18th spot. Mm. And um, Cal Crutchlow was the one who um, came through in third spot. Yeah, very interesting finishing uh, order, Divisioso, Marquez and Crutchlow, considering where they all were. Jack Miller, of course. It was great to see him on the front row, Baxi. Yeah, well, he's, uh, and that was in the dry too. It was in very hot conditions, so it was, um, there's no, you know, the usual thing, oh, it was wet weather or whatever that um, he shines in, but he, he shined in that particular uh, session, got up to second. The Ducatis were pretty dominant. The top uh, three of the four places were filled by Ducatis, so, uh, with Divisioso in there as well. Um, so it's a good sign for him, and it's just a pity that he got a bit of exuberant and, uh, in his quest and, uh, Managed to biff it into the weeds early yeah. on. Uh, Marquez now 67 points ahead of Divisioso, yeah. Rossi in third place. Uh, with the, yeah. Marquez is to lose. Shocker. Yeah, he did have a shocker, didn't he? Yeah, the Yamaha boys would be uh, not impressed. Uh, his worst result in a while, quite frankly, for uh, Rossi down there. Um, yeah, and he's lost uh, second in the championship uh, with Divisioso leapfrogging him. And uh, Lorenzo now closing the gap to um, uh, third position. Like, if he'd finished as well, he would have uh, probably ended up in front of Rossi as well. The way so, things are going, Braxy, it looks like Marquez will probably have the championship wrapped up at Phillip Island. Oh, yeah, even though he even before. Yeah, possibly. Um, there's no stopping the lad, is there? Um, you know, he's just got to keep finishing races and not really go. You know, it's Marquez, he's always going to go for the win. Yeah, but um, you know, sensibility might prevail. There's six races left on the calendar, so that's 150 points up for grabs. Um, yeah, and he's what the 67 points as you said in front now, and by Divisioso leapfrogging Rossi, it's in, you know increased his lead. He was on 59 when they went into the race, so he's on an eight point um, buffer added as well. Mm. Interesting. So it's looking pretty, om- pretty ominous. Yep, it certainly is, mate. Aragon MotoGP up next, and then they start making their way down south uh, throughout Malaysia and yeah. uh, down to Phillip Island. Well, Thailand for the first time. Yep, that's correct. Um, they've got the, got the four flyaways uh, this time. They've got the um, Thailand, then over to Japan, then down to Australia, back to Malaysia, and then off to Valencia for the final round in mid-November, which is going to be... I think a little bit weather-affected middle of November on um, the Mediterranean coast of Spain with a bit of rain they get down there. Hmm. Still like to be there, though. Oh, yes, well, yeah, no <laughs> excuse not to be there, I suppose. Exactly. Hey, Braxy, always good to catch up with you. Thank you for uh, your wrap of what's happening in the world of two wheels and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. No worries, mate. Take care and speak soon. Cheers, Mark, mate. Mark Brax joining us here on The Grid. Yeah, no, when the whistle go. Okay, joining us on the line now to have a chat about the Australian Supercross Championship, which kicks off this weekend, is Steve Munro. G'day, Steve. How are you? Tony, I'm very good. Thank you very much. And uh, getting just a little bit excited for uh, Supercross. Well, you should be too, because it does kick off this weekend. And for those unaccustomed who are listening to the program and don't know that much about Supercross, first of all, give us the, the difference between Supercross and Motocross. 
Yeah, so look, hopefully people are across what across what motocross is, but it's uh, that's more outdoor using natural terrain. Whereas supercross, they uh, basically bring in truckloads of dirt into a stadium, and uh, a man-made track is formed up, and obviously that's able to be done in, I guess, you know, uh, in your city city areas and uh, bring the sport right to the people. So uh, much more accessible, um, I guess, geographically for people to get to, um, but uh, yeah, much more exciting in some ways because the jumps are a whole lot bigger and uh, and the racing is. A lot closer and more intense. So, yeah, basically that's that's your difference. So, as we said, the Australian Championship about to kick off. Uh, five rounds of the Championship this year. Where are we travelling? Yeah, so five rounds this season. Last season was uh, six. Uh, this year has been cut one short only because the organisers of the AusX Open up in Sydney that uh, make up uh, part of the uh, Australian Supercross Championship, they uh, had two rounds of the uh, championship last season. They've cut that down to one because okay. basically market forces, they're going to be in competition with the X Games that are being held in October. Uh, the guys that uh, put on the Supercross uh, up there in Sydney know their demographics very well and uh, just not quite prepared to go head-to-head with two rounds this year. Um, so we're down to five rounds of Supercross. But, yeah, kicking off in Jim Boomba. I know that's one of your favourite One of my favourites, yep. <laughs> so in Jim Boomba, just outside of uh, Brisbane there uh, is the first round. Uh, we finished in Jim Boomba. I don't know if you remember last year, but uh, it was an absolute washout last year. So yeah. they, they raced in the mud, but uh, forecast looks great uh, for this weekend. So it should be a completely different story for the first round. Um, and then they're back there on the 6th of October uh, at Coolum for the second round. Uh, soon after that, uh, we're off to Geelong. Um, at GMHBA Stadium. So, uh, Cats fans, wow. you're going to see a very, very different uh, ground. Well, it's going to be covered in dirt. So, uh, um, that's been put on by Troy Bayless Events, um, three-time World Superbike champion, who I'm sure your listeners are familiar with. Uh, well, extremely so. And the fact that he's doing so well in the Australian Superbike Championship this year is great. Yeah, look, amazing. He's uh, still kicking on. He's uh, he's a he's a phenomenal rider. So he's uh, been running Troy Bayless events for quite some time. Responsible for the Moto Expo, which I'm um, sure you've been to. Um, but he's also doing the Adelaide Round on the 20th of October at Gilman Speedway. Now, these events are really taking it up a notch compared to what we've seen in both uh, Melbourne and Adelaide uh, in the past. Um, they've got um, trophy carts, which are like a mini version of a stadium truck. Um, they're going to be racing uh, cool. as part of more like a demonstration sport, I guess, on those nights. Um, and then in Adelaide, we're even going to see Jason Crump turn some laps hey. on his speedway bike at the Gilman Speedway. So um, the guys have really been putting in a lot of work, making sure that entertainment value is just off the charts for these Supercross rounds. And then, of course, the uh, season culminates uh, in Sydney uh, with the AusX Open on the 10th of November at Kudos Bank Arena. Fantastic. Now, in the past, of course, a highlight of the Australian Supercross Championship has been the amount of US riders that have come and joined us. Is that the same again this year? Yeah, look, it is, and probably even more so this time round. Uh, we've got a number of riders doing the entire series for teams. Justin Brayton, uh, who rode for Pennite Honda last season, is back again to defend his title. Um, Bradley Taft will join uh, Pennite Honda on a 250, another rider out of the States. Uh, complete Parts Kawasaki will bring over Jace Owen, who will join uh, Aaron Tanty uh, and their team. Jace Owen has uh, uh, been doing Arena Cross in America, which is like a smaller version of Supercross, smaller stadiums. And uh, KSF Suzuki has brought out uh, Grady Featherstone, and he's a rider who's spent a bit of time doing Supercross in Europe and in the uh, AMA, the American Supercross as well. So, yeah, quite a number of riders uh, coming out from the States on top of 
the US riders that will come out for AusX Open. Why is AusX Open such a major feature of our calendar? What makes it so special? Look, I think it was certainly probably the first uh, event in the Supercross calendar to, I guess, really take it up a notch as far as um, entertainment value. It goes indoors at Kudos Bank Arena, so it's not subject to any issues with weather, as we witnessed at the last yep. round at uh, Jim Boomba last year. Um, so they can really make sure that they can invest 100% in the event um, because they know they haven't got that barrier of anything going wrong from a weather perspective. So, um, And it is the riders that they bring out from the state. So it's not just a, um, a round of the Australian Supercross. It's an event in itself. They have uh, freestyle motocross there with some of the world's best freestyle motocross guys competing for, competing for significant prize money. Uh, but this year they're bringing out um, Justin Barsha, um, who is a huge name in the, uh, the AMA Supercross, Jason Anderson, who came out yeah. last year and uh, won um, the AusX uh, Open. So he's back to defend his title. The interesting thing with those two guys is uh, they are very, very similar in riding style and in the qu- close quarters of Kudos Bank Arena. Things could get pretty hairy with those two going bar to bar because uh, they don't ask for any favours out the track. Ryan Villapoto is coming out of um, retirement. He is a four-time World Supercross and five-time AMA motocross champion. Now, the guys at AME Management who put on the Supercross have done an amazing job bringing big names out again. And, of course, last but not least, Chad Reed, uh, Australia's own. Uh, we'll be back again. He didn't actually ride last season uh, because, sorry, the last AusX Open because he injured himself at the Red Bull Straight Rhythm. Correct. So he, he pushed himself around on a little um, trolley thing. <laughs> so he, he still came out and flew the flag, but uh, he's back on the bike this year. So a massive event planned for the AusX Open to, to finish off the, the series. And great news for our friends across the ditch too is that the AusX uh, the Open format is going to be uh, replicated over there. Yeah, it is, and I think this is, uh, we, as we uh, spoke about uh, last year, um, when we spoke about the AusX Open uh, with the guys appointing Tony Cochran uh, as chairman of uh, AusX Open, I guess this is part of that expansion. So the same format heading over to Mount Smart Stadium. Now, Mount Smart Stadium, uh, for those who are familiar with uh, their rugby, is the uh, home of the New Zealand Warriors. Yep. So that's a 25,000-seat stadium, um, so I guess akin to um, Geelong. Um, so they're going to be able to have a really large format track there. Not, it's obviously be probably something like three times, I would imagine, the size of what we'll see at Kudos Bank Arena. Um, but that is the first time that a, a, um, a competition of that size will head over there. And the guys are taking that experience of Sydney across to uh, New Zealand. And again, some of those big names are heading over there too. Chad Reed's going over, Justin Brayton as well, Ryan Villapoto. Quite a number of the Australian teams are heading over. Um, and New Zealand's own Ben Townley is coming out of retirement to race that event. So again, Fantastic. These guys know how to put on events, so they're certainly going to pull the crowds, and that's a really exciting thing. And you know how to put on a Supercross report, mate. Once again, thank you so much for doing it for us, and uh, let's catch up next week and wrap up Jim Boomba. Absolutely. Let's do that, Tony. We'll talk to you then. Good on you, Steve. Steve Munro joining us here, talking Supercross. Well, there you go. There's another episode of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Thanks for joining us again here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thanks to Mark Brack, Steve Munro, and, of course, Richard Crowell. We'll do it all again next week as we wrap up what will be a fantastic weekend of racing at Sandown, part of the Rebel.com Virgin Australia Supercars Championship. We'll talk to you next Monday. Till then.